welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and other selves all over the world. And no matter the negative circumstances and appearances all around, no matter the shaking and rearranging that's going on in the earth, let us never fear or waver in faith. Instead, maintain focus on the mighty I Am Presence and be guided by the love and light of the living God dwelling within us in all of our actions. And if that seems kind of hard to do at times, let us keep working on it, because those higher qualities of love and light within ourselves are vital for the evolution of all mankind. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. And remember to do your own research. That in God, man. Infinite things are one distinctly, can also be seen, as in a mirror, from man. In man there are many and numberless things, as said above, but still man feels them all as one. From sensation he knows nothing of his brains, of his heart and lungs, of his liver, spleen, and pancreas, or of the numberless things in his eyes, ears, tongue, stomach, generative organs, and the remaining parts, and because from sensation he has no knowledge of these things, he is to himself as a one. The reason is that all these are in such a form that not one can be lacking, for it is a form recipient of life from God-man. From the order and connection of all things in such a form there comes the feeling, and from that the idea, as if they were not many and numberless, but were one. From this it may be concluded that the many and numberless things which make a man a seeming one, a very man who is God, are one distinctly, yea, most distinctly. All things of human wisdom unite, and as it were, center in this, that there is one God, the creator of the universe, consequently, a man who has reason, from the general nature of his understanding, does not and cannot think otherwise. Say to any man of sound reason that there are two creators of the universe, and you will be sensible of his repugnance, and this, perhaps, from the mere sound of the phrase in his ear, from which it appears that all things of human reason unite and center in this, that God is one. There are two reasons for this. First, the very capacity to think rationally, viewed in itself, is not man's, but is God's in man, upon this capacity human reason in its general nature depends, and this general nature of reason causes man to see as from himself that God is one. Secondly, by means of that capacity man either is in the light of heaven, or he derives the generals of his thought therefrom, and it is a universal of the light of heaven that God is one. It is otherwise when man by that capacity has perverted the lower parts of his understanding, such a man indeed is endowed with that capacity, but by the twist given to these lower parts, he turns it contrarywise, and thereby his reason becomes unsound. Every man, even if unconsciously, thinks of a body of men as of one man, therefore, he instantly perceives what is meant when it is said that a king is the head, and the subjects are the body, also that this or that person has such a place in the general body, that is, in the kingdom. As it is with the body politic, so is it with the body spiritual. The body spiritual is the church, its head is God-man, 
And from this it is plain how the church thus viewed as a man would appear, if instead of one God the creator and sustainer of the universe, several were thought of. The church thus viewed would appear as one body with several heads, thus not as a man, but as a monster. If it be said that these heads have one essence, and that thus together they make one head, the only conception possible is either that of one head with several faces or of several heads with one face, thus, making the church, viewed as a whole, appear deformed. But in truth, the one God is the head, and the church is the body, which acts under the command of the head, and not from itself, as is also the case in man, and from this it is that there can be only one king in a kingdom, for several kings would rend it asunder, but one is able to preserve its unity. So would it be with the church scattered throughout the whole globe, which is called a communion, because it is as one body under one head. It is known that the head rules the body under it at will, for understanding and will have their seat in the head, and in conformity to the understanding and will, the body is directed, even to the extent that the body is nothing but obedience. As the body can do nothing except from the understanding and will in the head, so the man of the church can do nothing except from God. The body seems to act of itself, as if the hands and feet in acting are moved of themselves, or the mouth and tongue in speaking vibrate of themselves, when, in fact, they do not in the slightest degree act of themselves, but only from an affection of the will and the consequent thought of the understanding in the head. Suppose, now, one body to have several heads and each head to be free to act from its own understanding and its own will, could such a body continue to exist? For among several heads singleness of purpose, such as results from one head, would be impossible. As in the church, so in the heavens, heaven consists of myriads of myriads of angels, and unless these all and each look to one God, they would fall away from one another, and heaven would be broken up. Consequently, if an angel of heaven but thinks of a plurality of gods he is at once separated, for he is cast out into the outmost boundary of the heavens and sinks downward. Because the whole heaven and all things of heaven have relation to one God, angelic speech is such that by a certain unison flowing from the unison of heaven it closes in a single cadence, a proof that it is impossible for the angels to think otherwise than of one God, for speech is from thought. Who that has sound reason can help seeing that the divine is not divisible. Also that a plurality of infinites, of uncreates, of omnipotence, and of gods, is impossible? Suppose one destitute of reason were to declare that a plurality of infinites, of uncreates, of omnipotence, and of gods is possible, if only they have one identical essence, and this would make of them one infinite, uncreate, omnipotent, and God, would not the one identical essence be one identity? And one identity is not possible to several. If it should be said that one is from the other, the one who is from the other is not God in himself, nevertheless, God in himself is the God from whom all things are. Divine Love and Wisdom, by Emanuel Swedenborg, 1763. Isis Unveiled, Chapter 14. Most ancient Egyptians cultivated the musical arts and understood well the effect of musical harmony and its influence on the human spirit. We can find on the oldest sculptures and carving scenes in which musicians play on various instruments. Music was used in the healing department of the temples for the cure of nervous disorders. We discover on many monuments, men playing in bands in concert, the leader beating time by clapping his hands. Thus far we can prove that they understood the laws of harmony. They had their sacred music, domestic and military. 
The lyre, harp, and flute were used for the sacred concerts, for festive occasions they had the guitar, the single and double pipes, and castanets, for troops, and during military service, they had trumpets, tambourines, drums, and cymbals. Various kinds of harps were invented by them, such as the lyre, sambuk, asher, some of these had upward of 20 strings. The superiority of the Egyptian lyre over the Grecian is an admitted fact. The material out of which were made such instruments was often of very costly and rare wood, and they were beautifully carved, they imported it sometimes from very distant countries, some were painted, inlaid with mother-of-pearl, and ornamented with colored leather. They used catgut for strings as we do. Pythagoras learned music in Egypt and made a regular science of it in Italy. But the Egyptians were generally considered in antiquity as the best music teachers in Greece. They understood thoroughly well how to extract harmonious sounds out of an instrument by adding strings to it, as well as the multiplication of notes by shortening the strings upon its neck, which knowledge shows a great progress in the musical art. Speaking of harps, in A Tomb at Thebes, Bruce remarks that, they overturn all the accounts hitherto given of the earliest state of music and musical instruments in the East, and are altogether, in their form, ornaments and compass, an incontestable proof, stronger than a thousand Greek quotations, that geometry, drawing, mechanics, and music were at the greatest perfection when these instruments were made, and that the period from which we date the invention of these arts was only the beginning of the era of their restoration. H. P. Blavatsky On the walls of the palace of Aminov II, at Thebes, the king is represented as playing chess with the queen. This monarch reigned long before the Trojan War. In India the game is known to have been played at least 5,000 years ago. As to their knowledge in medicine, now that one of the lost books of Hermes has been found and translated by Ebers, the Egyptians can speak for themselves. That they understood about circulation of the blood appears certain from the healing manipulation of the priests, who knew how to draw blood downward, stop its circulation for a while, etc. A more careful study of their bas-reliefs representing scenes taking place in the healing hall of various temples will easily demonstrate it. They had their dentists and oculists, and no doctor was allowed to practice more than one specialty, which certainly warrants the belief that they lost fewer patients in those days than our physicians do now. It is also asserted by some authorities that the Egyptians were the first people in the world who introduced trial by jury, although we doubt this ourselves. But the Egyptians were not the only people of remote epochs whose achievements placed them in so commanding a position before the view of posterity. Besides others whose history is at present shut in behind the myths of antiquity, such as the prehistoric races of the two Americas, of Crete, of the Trode, of the Lacustrians, of the submerged continent of the fabled Atlantis, now classed with myths, the deeds of the Phoenicians stamp them with almost the character of demigods. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 The loved ones of our hearts, I trust I may bring you assistance tonight in a way that will be very practical, and I trust will make your pathway easier and your control of outer world conditions more victorious, and it is this. If you will demand and command, before you go to sleep at night and when you first awaken in the morning, simply with every atom of your being, demand that your beloved I am presence, and the ascended host hold the ascended master's control of your attention and keep it away from anything that would draw destruction into your world. 
I have a very important reason for asking for this, because it will give us a certain use of the sacred fire from our own heart's flame through your own brain structure, and in doing that, it will clear out many, many concepts that you have accepted, past and present. Sometimes you don't even know that you accept the feeling of conditions that are wrong in the outer world. This is to protect your emotional bodies from being stirred up, or stirred into action on destructive conditions, because the attention has gone to those conditions, and while your attention is upon them, it is pouring the destructively qualified feeling in those conditions into your life stream, of your own emotional body. Therefore, if you will ask your mighty I am presence first, always, and then the ascended master's diamond shining control of your attention that keeps it off of mistakes and problems and that which is wrong, you will feel a great relief in the pressure in your own feeling world. This will bring a peace within you that will make you feel your own power and victory over conditions that have been of distress, past or present. There must become concerted action in each of you, by your own conscious call, to cut yourselves free from every destructive etheric record, whether it be of yourselves or someone else, matters not. And our sacred fire purity, our fiery Christ blue lightning purity is, I assure you, the complete master control of all the energy in your feeling world, if you will so command it. But your attention is the thing, because it wanders here, there, everywhere, and if you allow it to rest upon destructive conditions that other people have generated, and maybe have touched your life streams, you can just as well seal yourselves within the ascended master's control of your attention as to let it run wild, and let the destructive forces drive into you more and more of their destruction, until you of your own free will close the door of eternity. Beloved Elohim of Purity Now the reason I say this is because, in the Ascended Master's octave, we have to keep our attention off the mistakes and problems of the past, or they would become immortal in our world, and that cannot be. And if you will, every time you look at the sun, feel your own mighty I am presence heart flame reach up and thank all the life and the light of the physical sun for its love to the earth, and ask your beloved I am presence to hold control of your attention and the feeling of the outer self, by the diamond shining love of the mighty I am presence, the ascended host, the physical sun, the great central sun, anything that reveals to you what light manifests in the magnificent cosmic activities of the infinite universe. Every time you think of light in the physical world, remember two things, and I am not speaking of a lurid red glow, because that is the destructive forces accumulation of more destruction, I am speaking of clear, dazzling white light, and also the light, the colors, in the spectrum. When you see a rainbow or the beautiful, clean, clear colors in the powers of nature and forces of the elements, remind your intellect that they are some manifestations of love, and that love is indestructible, eternal purity, because mankind can never change the cosmic law that creates those manifestations by love alone. And that love is the heart flame of the great central sun. As it pours its presence throughout all the systems of worlds that come under its direction, it gives of itself, its eternal purity, perfection, and love. That sacred fire presence is everywhere pouring its love and perfection to life. It is pouring its infinite music in the atmosphere of your world, the upper atmosphere, and it is pouring the power without limit of the sacred fire love from the great central sun, and you cannot produce any manifestation without the use of power. But the majority of mankind's concepts of power are not that that power is either luminosity, or is the love of the purity from the great central sun. If you will qualify everything that you contact in outer physical conditions as mistakes or problems or things that seem to be wrong, if you will simply keep calling into them the mighty I am presence and the ascended master's sacred fire purity of such cosmic power, 
that it forces the purification that dissolves and consumes the mistake, or the problem, or the destructive etheric record, or the focus of energy and substance, that is manifesting as destruction. Beloved Elohim of Purity Thank you.